five. She gets to cover something really entertaining now. She is Alex Winley. Of course, Bleacher Report, the Heron Outlet. Follow her on Twitter like I and many others do who want great insight on Inter-Miami at AAW underscore 1998. Alex, good afternoon. And boy, was that entertaining on Saturday night. Uh, thanks for yeah, thanks for having me on, Orlando. That the game was crazy. I, I don't think anyone expected that result, but you know, Miami are showing that they've they've got something up their sleeve and that offseason um that they had, they've been working hard. So and uh, that's pretty much the fruits of their labor. And, and what I love was the attacking style. Uh it was a, a game that they were aggressive the entire time. They were they pressured Philadelphia many times. Moda hits the post and everything. Um, although let me give you something funny. Okay. And we, you and I have talked about this over the last couple of years. Uh, Pizarro has a terrible habit of holding on to the damn ball too long. Right. And he played a good game. In fact, that, that one where Moda hit the post, that was an assist from, from Pizarro. And it was a beautiful play, but the one that Moda scored on was actually him holding on to the ball too long, trying to weave through multiple people, and it ended up becoming a turnover that led to Moda. The, 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 the ball fell to him, and sure enough, he was able to knock it in. But it's kind of funny that one of his bad habits kind of showed, reared its ugly head for one moment, but it still kind of paid off for Miami. I was laughing my ass off when I saw that. Yeah, actually, I believe that was Coco Jean that scored the goal. I know John Mata did. Sorry, uh, sorry no, yeah. no motor's gone. Yes. Yeah, yes. John Mata did hope, hit the post like later in the game with a really good shot, but it was uh, Quarantine Jean that got that first goal. But yeah, you're right about uh, John Mata. He does have that habit, but uh, for defenders, it makes him kind of un unpredictable because you don't know if he's going to shoot from 30 yards out or, or pass the ball. So they don't know how to defend him, and that opens up space for other guys. But um, yeah, I mean, they're impressive. Pizarro, I, I believe him and um and John Mata and Fondo, they made uh, team of the week. And yeah, yeah they're just they're just charging on right now. Yeah, yeah. Pizarro looks good, actually. You know, I mess around and have some fun with him that he held the ball too long in that moment there trying to trying to we it's he gets in trouble when he thinks he can weave between two and three guys that that usually happens. Right. But but he has played well and the team has played well. And Drake Callender, Jesus, Alex, I mean, wow. Uh, they have found themselves a really, I mean, and this all comes from an injury. You know, it, the injury opened the door for him, and that kid has never looked back, and he was outstanding again on Saturday night. Yeah, 100%. Drake is a great guy, great to talk to, very smart with, with soccer. He loves watching the game, and, you know, he's very – you know, tranquilo, and he, he meditates, and he's very grounded, and, and yeah, just a smart guy to have at the back, and, you know, there are, you know, he's he's national team material, honestly, uh, you know, I, I believe from a colleague, he was close to a, a U.S. men's national team call-up in their last camp, but, you know, they decided to go with another guy, so Drake is really on that cusp right there, and, you know, they signed him to a, a contract extension, so he's their goalkeeper for the foreseeable future for Miami, and it's good they locked him down. He's only, what, 24, 25 years old. So, and goalkeepers nowadays, they play till 40. So, Miami may have very well gotten their, their you know, their their franchise goalkeeper for the rest, you know, for the foreseeable future for at least five years. So, great player. Did you see this chemistry this early in the preseason when you were watching them practice? Did you see them play as well as they've played so far in these first couple of weeks? 
Yeah, the vibes were there for sure. I, I think I, I I know I don't want to drag Iguain, but like guys like that, like he Iguain had this aura and this presence, right? And he's that guy that demands attention, right? And so when you take a guy like that out of the team, the team becomes more, you know, not saying that Gonzalo was a, a menace or anything, but it, it, on the field, it be, they become far more together, I would say. So they, they they don't have to defer to him nearly as much as they did last season, like with Pozuelo, Iguain. Teams knew how to game plan against that. You know, if they took out Gonzalo and Alejandro out of the game, they knew Inter Miami couldn't score. But this season, they don't know who to press. They, they don't know if it's Joseph or Stefanelli or even one, Franco Negri, who, who's shown that he's able to get up into the attack and have some shots. Jamata, Gregory, you know, like you know, they don't know who to guard, uh, um, to, to guard, defend anymore. So Miami played much more of, of uh, as like a, a team and, it, you know, it's it's less on individuals now and more of a cohesive unit. So, um, yeah, I think I think you know, watching the game against Philadelphia, you know, it shows that that they're playing as a team. They can play a different style now. You know, um, without Gonzalo, he maybe didn't press as much, but with Joseph Campana back, you know, Jake Lacava, Robbie Robinson, uh, Schneider Borgeland, guys like that, they can they're more mobile and they can play more physical soccer. And, and I think Neville is kind of taking that opportunity and implementing a different style. Yeah, it's uh, it, and to me, when we look at you know Campana, is still what what's going on with Campana because that's kind of been his bugaboo, man. It's been injuries, and here he is again, and and th this is one of their guys that you were counting on to be one of your main goal scorers. What what's the latest with Leo? Yeah, so uh, this uh, this Thursday actually we're speaking with Phil Neville, so we'll get an update on that. But um, last week they did say they're hopeful that it's not as bad as it seems. So hopefully it's, it's not too of a, you know, injury that keeps him out for long. You know, he's a big guy and he, you don't want to rush him back from a muscle injury. So um, uh, this weekend we'll, we'll have a, uh, an update on Leo and, and, and see if he can go against uh, New York city uh, on Saturday. Have you given up on Robbie? No, I, I think he's a player that you need to be cautious with. We know he can score and has that talent. It's just mentality for him and trusting his body again. You know, he came out, he came, you know, injured himself and he, naturally you're going to be scared of re-injuring, uh, you know, that same part and, and your hamstring. So I think with Robbie, it's just, he needs to mentally get back into it and trust his body and trust his ability. But, you know, his ability is still there. And speaking to Neville, you know, Neville is high on him still. They want him to succeed. And uh, obviously, you know, if he doesn't, you know, the, you know, it's, it's, you know, professional sports, obviously they'll move on, but, you know, Robbie's still up there. Neville mentioned him the other day and, you know, Robbie just needs to trust his body and, and his mentality. You know, and we're talking with Alex Winley, of course. You can catch her work, by the way. Follow her on Twitter at AAW underscore 1998. You can catch her work at Bleacher Report and also the Heron Outlet. You should uh, subscribe to the podcast. They do a good job uh, talking into Miami. And, you know, listen, any win is a good win. So you start off the season beating Montreal. That's a good win. And and you 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 follow the league a lot more than I do. You know more about the MLS than I do. I follow heavy Inter Miami, the league. I kind of follow follow it casually, but from what I understood, Montreal wasn't really as good this year, and they lost some firepower. But this week, beating Philadelphia, who has been one of the elite teams of this league the last couple of years, I, I don't. You know, again, I know that this is one of those sports that's really followed by the hardcore soccer fan like you and me, not the general fan, does – I don't think people really understand what a big win that was for Miami against Philadelphia. 
Yeah, absolutely huge. Um, speaking with Jim Curtin after the match, he said, uh, kudos to Miami. They they basically had their lunch for the, the entire game and they pounced very quickly. They're, they were pressing them, not really letting them get into their game plan. And, you know, Miami played well and it was a statement win, you know, defending Eastern Conference champions in Philadelphia. And yeah, they absolutely, I wouldn't say dominate, but they they were the better team most of the game. And you know now the national media and 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 maybe even local media they're starting to take uh you know starting to believe and take part and to and and you know just believe in in this intermining project and 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 them and phil neville and they're not on the bandwagon yet alex you don't think so the local media nah you me michelle franco but you know the regular media they're not on it yet. Yeah, the the disappointing thing is that they, you know, they'll they'll give coverage to Inter Miami once, you know, if they if when they sign Messi and Busquets, which is unfortunate because the team's playing well now and they deserve coverage now. And yeah, let's Neville's just see how it goes. Neville yeah. and Henderson. Jesus Christ! I don't think people realize the amount of players that they've brought in, the turn the turnover that Henderson put in, and then I thought what Neville did last year with 19 players and the adjustment as the season went on, they got better and better and better. And then this year, it's only been progress since Neville took over. You yeah, think about okay. it from two years ago, the mess he inherited and then, you know, the whole uh, Iguain thing and how he had to break that down and, and he was able to reach Iguain. So he has shown us that he reaches older players, younger players and his style you know, remember, remember, Alex, he got a lot of shit because, oh, he's a women's coach. Like the game is played any different yeah. with females or males. It's the same goddamn game. But you know it. He got, oh, well, he's never coached men. And it's all this crap. And if you really look at the trajectory from the moment he took over to where he's at now, it's just been like this the entire time. Really, yeah, it's, a, it's a marvelous job. Kudos to him. You know, I know he got a lot of flack when he was appointed from from MLS media and, you know, still they're they're giving him flack. But, you know, Neville, he's a man manager and his tactics have improved and he's shown he's able to get the best out of maybe squads that aren't up to par. And, you know, you have to give him kudos for that. And, you know, with the way Intermami's playing now, they look very good. And and, then, you know, people have them, you know, going up the power rankings as well. So. Uh, kudos to Neville for and Chris Henderson for just revamping the, the team and and bringing in fresh blood to to get the you know the the team really going now. So you're convinced too that Messi's coming, right? Um, yeah. I on um, there are a bunch of uh, MLS sources are saying it. I know the European media that for some inexplicable reason they refuse to even mention MLS or Inter Miami. I know Mike Ryan Ruiz from the Dan Lebatard show has been on it uh, for the entire time. You know he's stuck with his reporting about, you know, Inter Miami and, and PSG are the two teams, um, uh, you know, basically vying for Messi's uh, signature right now. And um, yeah, I think there is a plausibility. Yeah. And, and it, there's no coincidence that they left the number 10 open. They have a, an open DP spot. Obviously Miami are interested. Phil Neville even said it in an interview a, a couple of uh, days ago, them, uh, Messi and Busquets, they, they are interested in the both of them. So yeah, it remains to be seen if they can get them, but you know it, it is a uh, definitely plausible. Well, see the the reason why I think it's going to happen, and Alex, you know about this more than I do. I think it's really odd he doesn't have a contract already. Mm. It, yeah, uh, to I me, think... it's, it, it's the strangest thing in the world that the best player in the world 
coming off the World Cup that he just put together for Argentina. And you would figure that there's eight clubs lined up to give him money, and they are. And even even that Arab club was, you know, the one that's uh, the rival to Cristiano Ronaldo's team. They offered him a boatload of money, and he and he's not going. To me, I think he's getting that Beckham uh, treatment. He's going to get an expansion team. He's probably some big-time sponsors are stepping up. And then, obviously, the Moss brothers are going to have to give him you know, a nice, a nice little salary. But as you and I know, the expansion teams are worth $500 million. So, so you're going to hand them $500 million and probably at a discount rate, whether it's zero or 20, 50 million, a hundred million dollars, you're going to, you're not going to charge them a lot. Like you did with, I think Beckham paid 25 million for a club that was 125 in those days. Now expansions five hundred million, so you're basically giving him five hundred million. I think that's what's going to end up happening. He plays a couple years, and then he moves up to an ownership group with one of those, you know, five six cities that are next up in in getting expansion over the next few years. I yeah, I one hundred percent agree. Uh, even uh, Commissioner Don Garber even said as much that it's going to take a Beckham like deal to bring him over and the fact that they're even talking about Messi to MLS shows that they're they're they you know, they've been in conversations and you know the league wants this to happen they want a, a big a big big star to to kind of kick off this Apple TV deal to get more subscribers and you know who's bigger than Lionel Messi right now so yeah the league no is obviously going to be on it for Miami um I know a lot of the, the fans of other teams they want it to happen because it's only going to help and grow the league and, you know, obviously on the, on the field standpoint, obviously Messi will help the team if they're looking to push for MLS Cup or, or silver, silverware this season. Um, but, yeah, Messi, it'll, like you were mentioning earlier, and, you know, the Dan Marinos, the Dwayne Wades, the Shaqs, I think, yeah, Messi That's signing cool. it would blow them out of the water. No no disrespect, but it, 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 it would be not huge. close. It's not even close, okay? It won't even be close. South Florida fans – don't understand, you know, the, the, the ones that don't follow, they will not understand the craziness that will take place if that guy comes here. And, and by the way, mark my prediction, they will build uh, temporary stands in each of the corners of that stadium. Guaranteed, the Moss brothers will come up with a couple extra thousand seats. Uh, and as, uh, you know, um, Michelle Kaufman on earth, they're not selling any season tickets for the second half of the season. Yeah. They're locked out. So, you know, they're not stupid. They're set up. I told, I told my buddy a couple of weeks ago, I said, dude, you need to go buy. Cause he's got like lots of money. Yeah. He's not like, he's not like you and me. They're working stiffs, but he's got lots of money. And I said, brother, you waste money on all kinds of stuff. I'm you. I go buy 10 pairs of tickets for, uh, Inter Miami. He goes, why the hell would I do that? I go, because Messi's coming and you're going to be able to sell the second half of the season for 10 times over because there are going to be people all over the world coming here to go see an Inter game because that's, you know how they do it in the NFL, right? That uh, uh, like teams that like uh, teams that go to Vegas to go play the Raiders, mm. you know, if you're the Giants fan or a Dolphins fan or a Packers fan, you'll make it a trip. You'll go to Vegas for a couple days, watch your team. All like that's what's going to happen here in Miami. People yeah, are going to want to come from all over the country, all over the world, to come see the greatest player on the planet. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, 
I was I was actually talking with Michelle the other day. I, I was I was wondering, you know, Drive Pink Stadium is so open, and you know, sometimes you know the the security is there, but it's a very open property. I, I I'm, you know, how are they gonna, you know, like the players do this, you know, ritual will they walk from the training center to the stadium? I don't know how they're gonna just kind of wrap around that. The amount of people that are gonna flock to to Fort Lauderdale or, and even Mel Reese, uh, a quick aside here, Mel Reese, um, that golf course, it's going to be uh, closed on the 19th of March. So uh, hopefully after that, they'll start construction on Miami Freedom Park, but you know, yeah, it is just going to be mayhem and yeah, just, it'll, I can't even wrap my head around it, but it, it'll be good. Way, for by the way, he built this, the Moss brothers, not he, the Moss brothers built that stadium in eight months. Yeah. If Messi comes, they will speed up Miami Freedom Park. I mean, they're gonna, yeah, they're going to put turbo on it. And the good thing is, you know how it is. Private construction compared to public construction can, you know, happen really, really quickly. If it goes for public, it takes forever, but they'll, yeah. they'll be able to. So you're convinced, too, that it's it's going to happen. I, I, I It's going to be a lot of fun, man. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. Great for the league, though. All right, give us a, a preview, NYCFC. Uh, this week they've played, you know, Miami played their two first games at home. NYCFC played their two first games on the road and they didn't win. They tied one and lost one. So uh, talk to us a little bit about what you know about NYCFC and what issues can they give Miami? Yeah. So for one NYCFC, they're, they're still a good team. They've got a lot of good players. Talos Magno, um, Santi Rodriguez. They've just resigned him to a DP contract. Uh, ex Miami player Matthias uh, Pellegrini is there playing as the number ten. So they still have a lot of lot of good attacking talent. Um, but you know my worry is for Inter Miami is their field. NYCFC they play on the baseball field. It's small. The grass is a little not yeah. The grass is not as good. And you know the the field dimensions are are not. Uh, uh, it's not you know it's not cool to play on. So that's my biggest worry is that Miami won't be able to adapt to that. And and NYCFC they're used to playing on that. So it doesn't really matter for them. So I think that's the biggest concern, Miami adapting to that small field and, and the sight lines and, and, and the grass, and that's the biggest concern. But as far as the play goes, NYCFC, they haven't been playing well. They don't have a, a, an out-and-out out number nine to, to to focus on. So they've been playing uh, Talos Magno, a winger, as the central central striker, and that hasn't been working out for them. And they they lost one, and they, they drew another game. So obviously they're going to come back home looking for a win, and Miami are going to – you know, try to get their third straight win and then keep the clean sheet. And, you know, uh, NYCFC, they're not in a good spot right now. So Miami have a really good opportunity to get that. And and then their next game is on the road at Toronto. So uh, I know they're going to uh, be a, a, difficult ga- a difficult game as well. So NYCFC still dangerous. Their field will be difficult to play on. But, you know, Miami have been playing very well and, and Neville has them believing. So um, I'm hopeful that they'll be able to get some result up there. Talk to me about the defense. We know Callender has played as exceptional, but uh, the combination in front of him has actually also been pretty damn good. Yep, uh, Sergey Kristoff, Christopher McVeigh, Franco Negri, DeAndre Yedlin—they're you know those four are locked in, and they've been playing you know phenomenally. It, it's it's night and day compared to last season. And I know uh, when Damian Lowe was traded, the everyone was fouls are are gone, Alex. Yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous fouls that we had to deal with for for a couple of years. Like it almost like they they you were almost selling me the bullshit. Like, well, you know, you got to play physical, and fouls are going to be a part of it. And then I'm watching these guys, and they're not committing a whole bunch of dumb fouls. Yeah, and that, yeah, that's that's what happens when you 
you get a Champions League experienced uh, a center back who has that calmness and composure. Like, you know, Sergey Kristoff, you know, he's he's talked about his partnership with McVeigh and how, you know, they're they're both from Europe, so they understand that style and, and how to just calm everything down and and just keep that clean sheet. And they're 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 just you know great partners and they're they're calm passing out of the back. And and I was mentioning the Damian Lowe trade and um, you know, Damian Lowe was really beloved and he loved being here, but you know, and he's a great defender and a great player, but um, you know, sometimes his play style maybe didn't fit with what Miami wanted to do this year, which is play out the back, be calm, you know, have that composure. Damian Lowe is a great defender and he fits what what Philly is doing much more than what Inter Miami is doing. So um yeah, it was a necessary trade. And now you see with uh, Sergey coming in and even Schneider Borgelin. I mentioned Borgelin because in that Damian Lowe trade, uh, Miami received the homegrown rights to Borgelin. And, you know, it came full circle when Borgelin scored that that second goal against Montreal. And yeah, it's just Chris Anderson being smart and knowing his contacts around MLS and and the cap room situation with Miami right now. And and by the way, next year, and by the way, the Argentine dudes from a couple of years ago were driving my ass crazy too back. Oh there. yeah, Carranza or, or Pellegrini or Figal, I believe, and, and LGP. Oh. oh, LGP and Figal. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Those two driving my ass crazy, man. They yeah, would put they, them, they would put the team at risk because they would pick up fouls early. And then that would take away from their aggressiveness. Or sometimes they would make the mistake and then pick up the red card. And then now you're down a man. And oh man, I, I just, I, I, it's just, it's such a smarter, cleaner, more entertaining team. You know, it's just, it's really, I, I mean, I, I, when I turned off that game on Saturday, I, I just had a big old smile on my face because it was just fun to watch. Yeah, you know? it was fun. And Miami, they, they haven't played fun soccer and, in no. their history, so it's a it's a welcome change for sure. Yeah, big time. I haven't seen this kind of soccer since Ray Hudson and the Fusion. Practically, yeah. when you were a baby. Yeah, or, literally. Or, uh, how old? How old are you? Uh, twenty four. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you were an infant actually while it yeah. was going on, but that was entertaining. That was the last time. Right there. And mm -hmm. on Saturday, I, I just had a big old smile. I know Ray Hudson probably had a, a big old smile on his face being able to watch that. So it's good stuff. Alex, uh, what are you working on over at the Heron Outlet and Bleacher Report covering Inter-Miami? Yeah, so we've got a big week coming up. Um, we're, we have our, our Know Your Opponent uh, series coming out, too, uh, with a NYCFC journalist. So be on the lookout for that. Thursdays, we do our Inter-Miami News and Notes where we get you prepped for the, the weekend game. And um, yeah, a couple of uh, you know things going on in the background that we'll we'll, we'll be uh, premiering this week too. So uh, stay tuned. There you go, good stuff, Alex. As always, thank you for taking some time and uh, giving us some great insight. Really appreciate it as always. Thanks for having me on, Orlando. It's always my pleasure, Alex Winley. Great stuff. Follow her if you're an Inter Miami fan. Great insight. She's always at the games, uh, breaking it down. She just does a really really good job. And follow her on Twitter at AAW underscore 1998. Excellent follow, Alex Winley there. I like it. All right. Um, let's see. What else do we have going on? Uh, Edward Thurston Howe, thank you for the love on the Super Chat, my brother. Now, I am sorry because I won't really be able to answer your question intelligently. Uh, Big O, you just became the GM of the Dolphins. Who would you pick in the second round? Any Canes players you like? Okay, see, first of all, I, Edward, I don't know who I'm going to pick. Okay? All right? 
Yesterday I talked about players that I like, but my problem is we first have to go through free agency. I need to know what they do in free agency, and then I will have a better feel of what they're going to do in the draft and take a better guess. All right. Yeah. Just to throw it out there for you. Second round guys that I like Darnell Washington, the tight end from Georgia, uh, Hendon Hooker, the quarterback from Tennessee, Siaki Ika, the Baylor nose tackle, defensive tackle. And I only put them there only because if Fangio's not necessarily a big fan of Raekwon or he's not convinced that Raekwon can be the guy or something. Maybe he thinks he's got to bring in another young, big body in the middle to bring in some competition, transition. I don't know. So I'm throwing it out there. Tucker Craft, who I love as a tight end. Okay. Pass catcher and blocker. Uh, I don't think they're going to get a tight end in the in, in free agency. I really don't. So I think if they get a tight end, it'll be in the draft. That's my guess. All right. Uh, and DeWar Jones, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Since the Toronto Armstead stuff and you have the right tackle, if you bring back Brandon Shell, you're all right, but you need a swing tackle. And Jones is a, a big human being. I saw him. Good player. Saw him at the uh, Senior Bowl. So uh, DeWar Jones would be one of those guys that, I would look at in the second round. So there you go. I'm not really looking at a cane uh, at that mo at this moment, but let's wait till the the uh, the 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 free agency period uh, starts and ends, where they, you know, where they look like they're done, and then we we move on to the draft, and then I'll get a better feel for what they're going to do in the draft. Okay, but right now it's kind of hard, man. It's kind of hard because we, we need free agency first. That really dictates what the hell is going on. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Big O, we need to go hang out with them and show them how to score. There you go. I'm with you. Baseball games should be closer to two, two and a half hours this year with all the rule changes to speed it up. I hope so. Ray says, local media never talks about Inter-Miami, not even 560, who is the flagship of Inter-Miami. And if they ever did, they talk about them for five seconds. Well, they don't know anything. Well, Solana would be the only guy. I think that Joe doesn't really know any soccer. Uh, Hollywood doesn't know any soccer. Zach's not with them, right? Zach's doing digital. Um <laughs> Yeah, nothing against Hawk, but he doesn't even know sports. Um, what's it called? Uh, Channing doesn't know anything. Um, Dono fills in. Dono would know. Dono follows it. Who else? Um, the midday guys. I don't know if Tobin really. I don't think Tobin follows soccer. I can't say I, you know, listen to their show religiously, but I do run into their show at times. They're good dudes. Um, I, Leroy, I know, doesn't know anything about soccer. So yeah, they don't really, they don't really have people on the air that know anything about soccer, anyways. So why would they, you know? Although I, I know that they bring on a, a, a an interplayer every once in a while, and I guess because they have to do that, so that's probably forced on them. But they do do it in the morning. I know I've heard it because I've been in the car when Joe is interviewing somebody. 
from the soccer team, you know, player. But yeah, they, they don't. Why are you going to talk about something that you know nothing about? You know what I mean? So they don't follow it. They don't listen to it. They don't watch it. So that's probably what it is. But um, yeah, but they will now. As they start winning. If this team is a good team and then they add Messi, everybody's going to be talking about it. Everybody. Because Messi will bring the kind of attention worldwide to this team that no MLS team has ever had. We go back to where? Back to where? Back to where? Back to where? Where do we go? The NASL? the New York Cosmos, and Pelé. That's the last time that we're going to compare what is about to happen here with Messi and Miami. You have to go back to the Cosmos and Pelé and playing in Giant Stadium with 75,000 people in that stadium. Yeah. An NASL game brought in 70,000 people. Okay? I think one of those games was the Strikers and the Cosmos played in like 70,000. That's the last time a soccer team has had that kind of attention because Messi is the modern-day Pelé. That's all. Simple. And when he got here, soccer mattered for a short time. And people wanted to go see the greatest player on the planet. Some some will tell you the greatest player ever. And some will say it's Maradona. And some will say it's Messi. So we're about to get the greatest player of all time, arguably. Maybe the greatest player on the planet now. The tension that we're about to get is going to be sick. And again, if you got money, I'm not a financial advisor, okay? But I would buy a pair of tickets for the hell of it for Inter-Miami. Because if he comes, you're going to want to go. But even if you don't want to go, you're going to get your money back five times over. Because you're going to be able to sell the hell out of those tickets in the, in the secondary market. That's uh, that's what I call good business uh, sense. Cigar Social Club, Big O, RIP to a true rock legend, Gary Rosington of Leonard Skinner. Yeah, yeah, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Gary passing away. Shame, brother. Our, the last of, uh, of the Leonard Skinner family, unfortunately, from the original band. Local media would rather talk more about the Marlins and Inter, which is asinine. I know. I know because they know a little bit about baseball. They know nothing about soccer. Uh, do you think they will go after Orlando Brown? Big O. No, I don't. I don't think so. And Orlando Brown wants to be a left tackle. So that would be a problem already. Unless they say, hey, play right for a couple years. When Tehran retires, we move you over. And I don't know if he'll go for something like that. I don't think so, my man. I think they're going to go after defense in this in this free agency. I think they're going to go after Poyer and Wagner. That's what I'm, maybe I'm more hoping than anything else. 
Uh, did you mention Dave Hyde from the Sunset on his tweet? No. Why? What did he, what did Dave Hyde put out? I have no idea. I don't know. Uh, let me see. Let me check it out. Let me see what we got here from Dave Hyde and his tweet. I don't know what you guys are talking. Is this some kind of tour thing? Uh, let's see. Daryl Gwynn's Rare and Times Tragic. Um, he get praised in general. Dolphins get questioned in general. Tell me why is that? Well, uh, he win championships. Um, to do, do, do. Huh. Some guy, Simon, says, nonsense. Hyde has been negative about most things. Dolphins for several years now. It's just not his Tua bias. And, and then Hyde says, thank you. I prefer the term applied critical thinking rather than negative. When you say for several years, does it include the 21 since a playoff win? Bullygate, tanking, not tanking, tampering, et cetera. New regimes get new chances, but not all the regimes are new. Again, thank you. I don't I don't know. I don't see any anything wrong with his tweets. I don't know what you're talking about, bro. Uh, it'd be a franchise malpractice if the Dolphins... Oh, here we go. Didn't look into Lamar Jackson and Aaron Rodgers considering questions around Tua. Wasn't that always understood in my column? Okay. But that was three days ago. Yeah. That's, uh, it's ridiculous. But whatever, bro. You know? Uh, Missouri passes a bill to protect Bitcoin and crypto mining rights. It's coming. It's coming. All right. I like it. All right. What else do we have? <laughs> it's got something from my wife. All right. Very right, cool. Uh, so damn excited for this season, says Joey Vasquez. We have a coach, GM, and a DC that understand what we need, and I have faith they'll plug the holes. I'm with you, Joey. I'm I'm super pumped about this season. The only thing I know, says Chad, Arsenal's on top of the table. You know it, baby. What a late-game winner on Saturday by Reese Nelson. Come on, you gunners. It's nice, man. We haven't had anything like this with Arsenal in a long time. Man, we haven't been good since the early 2000s. Okay. True Fin Fan says, I'm not a soccer guy at all, but I'm a Miami supporter. So if the soccer team is good, I'll support them. Ray says, you're right. Leroy is the last person that knows anything about soccer. He called it stupid. Yeah, I mean, it's not anything for Leroy, but it's just I would figure that you know, most people are not soccer people. That's all. So, yeah. Um, Travis says, Poyer comes with his Instagram model wife, Rachel Bush. Pay extra. She's she's a smoke show. Definitely a smoke show. Dave Hyde would search for any other QB that is not named Tua, even if it's more injury prone than Tua. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man. Yeah. It's uh you know, what are you gonna do, man? People are quick to get off bandwagons. When sports and business collide, we love doing something called the KSDT Sports Business Report. All right, all right, all right. You want to know what's wrong with baseball? Let me tell you a little bit about the Mets. And it's not the Mets' fault. It's not Steve Cohen's fault. It, it wasn't George Steinbrenner's fault. It's not the Red Sox's fault. It's not the Astros' fault. It's not the Cubs' fault. It's just the way baseball is. The Mets, they have a ballpark that brings in some major profits. City field finances were revealed in documents seen by Forbes providing a rare look into major cost and revenue drivers for an MLB, MLB team. Documents show that the Queens Ballpark Company, a subsidiary wholly owned by the Mets, which operates City Field, earned a record $244 million in 2022. Just the park. Of that sum, more than half, $133 million came from ticket sales. Luxury suites and premiums added an additional $10.3 million. Advertising and concessions were second and third biggest revenue drivers, respectively. $48.5 million in advertising and $22.3 million in concessions. Parking produced $12.4 million. The team hosted only three postseason games, but those brought in $7.7 million. Operating expenses reached $114.7 million, meaning City Field generated a profit of $129.6 million. That's just a stadium. That's more than what the Marlins spend on their payroll by miles. Okay? These do not include other revenue sources like naming media rights team also earns over 80 million from its local cable network SNY and more than 60 million from national broadcasting deals distributed evenly per team and the Mets will spend nearly 500 million dollars on player salaries and luxury tax payments this year team owner Steve Cohen said that the team lost money in 2022 but declined to say how much so you think the Marlins can do that? You think Tampa Bay can do that? You think Pittsburgh can do that? You think Kansas City can do that? You want to know why baseball is in trouble? You want to know why baseball declines every year? Because there's only a couple of cities where they actually give a shit about it because there's only a couple of cities that can actually compete for a title. Unless by some miracle, the Marlins catch lightning in a bottle in 2003 or the Kansas City Royals from I forgot what year it was 2016 15 17 I don't know how long ago it was when they won Hosmer oh excuse me Hosmer and all those guys right so what are you going to do 
And this is why baseball cannot compete because the TV ad, the TV revenue is different from one local market to another. The stadiums, well, the ones that have a lot of attendance, like Boston, like the Mets, like the Yankees, like the Cubs, like the Astros, they're going to be able to generate revenues that Miami will never be able to generate because they never have that kind of attendance. This is why baseball's in trouble. That is your KSDT CPA Sports Business Report. This has been the KSDT Sports Business Report. KSDT CPA is one of South Florida's largest and one of the country's fastest growing accounting firms. KSDT is recognized by Forbes as one of the top tax and accounting firms for 2022. KSDT CPA is a full service firm that also excels in crypto. Visit online at KSDTCPA.com or call 305-670-3370. Folks, don't forget to smash the hell out of the like button while you're watching. Very, very important. To get that algorithm going and, of course, uh, subscribe to the program. Really appreciate it if you can subscribe. Hit that notification bell. That way you know uh, when we're going on. Uh, Big O, it's just like European soccer. Only a few clubs for each league can compete for a league, uh, i.e. France, Germany, and Portugal. Yeah, but they have relegation and promotion there, too which uh, keeps you keeps you on your toes. You know what I mean? The Marlins would have been regulated a long, long time ago. So the Mavs lost on Sunday. Uh, tonight they play the Jazz. And uh, Fat Boy against the Suns went 8 of 23, 1 of 9 from three-point range for 34 points, an inefficient 34 points. Four assists, five turnovers. Kyrie Irving, 10 of 19, a good percentage. Three of eight from three-point line, 30 points, seven assists, three turnovers. The Mavs are now an impressive two and six with Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic in the lineup together. Two and six. I mean, the Jazz have traded everybody away. You're going to lose this game, too? Two and six. You think Mark Cuban is enjoying his returns on this investment? I, I think Mark Cuban's getting more return on Aletheia Artificial Intelligence Token. Remember the one I told you about last August? Mark Cuban is one of the owners. It was under a penny, and it went all the way to nine cents. And a lot of us, nine times their money or more, or slightly less, if you got in just a little late. Those of you enjoyed it, right? And Mark Cuban has enjoyed the returns. And even in the dip, it has stayed between five and six cents, way higher than when it was under a penny back in August. Those are returns he's enjoying in the crypto world. The investment he made on Kyrie Irving, which common sense will tell you when those two got together, you're like, well, wait a minute. Who's going to play defense? Like that team can't play defense. They can't stop anybody. You, you think you're just going to outscore people? Two and six. 
in the last eight games or in the only eight games that Luca and Kyrie have played together. Boy, that is really working out, huh? Two and six with those guys. That's embarrassing, man. That's embarrassing. Uh, Edward says, people go to baseball games to see home runs being hit. The Marlins need to go out and get a couple of sluggers. You are right, brother. <laughs> I think I told you about this the other day, right? Some guy reached out to me, like, in the first or second game of the spring or whatever, and they they must have scored some runs or something. And some guy goes to me, hey, the Marlins got something going on this year. And I tweeted back to him. I said, hey, check back with me in July when you realize that they don't have enough offense. Because I just looked at their lineup and I could see there's not enough offense. Unless uh, some of these unknowns or something all of a sudden start having career years. And if, you know, you want to tell me that 2003 is coming back again, then I can believe you that that's the case. Okay, fine. If that's how it's going to happen. But from what I see and what's proven, yeah, I like the kid you got from Minnesota. Sure. I like Jazz. Sure. You still don't have enough offense. And sure enough, you're one and eight in the first nine games. Your run differential is 40 runs already in nine games. Think about that. Your run differential is 40 runs in nine games. That means you're being outscored by an average of at least four runs a game. More, actually. Average is out more. But, wow. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, breaking news in China. Government has reported Dolphins going hard after Lamar Jackson once he's tagged and Brady is fallback plan. There we go. That's it. The Marlins would be like in 10th division if there was a relegation. Yeah. They would they would be in in uh in in uh, lower A ball. <laughs> That's where you gotta send the Marlins down to. Not triple A, not double A, not single A, like lower A ball. Okay? Not even the, you know, like like instructional league. Uh, I say give it about two years before Kyrie demands a trade out of Dallas. T two years? Two weeks. What do you got, Sean? Hey, you need to get on your with your boy, your boy Lee Sterling. Take some well, of his money. Huh? He just tweeted out, I don't trust the Miami Dolphins. Their GM, Chris Greer, who's a mouthpiece for their owner, Stephen Ross, when they put out a statement that two will be the QB next year. I bet they are boy, trying to trading for Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers. Well, oh. Well, I'll bet him anything on that one. That it's That's what I'm saying. Go, go get that money. Go get that money. I'll take uh, – where's he at? Uh, let me see. Let Read me see. 15 minutes ago. Okay. Let me see. All right. Let's see where he's at. 
Okay. I'm going to put it there. I'll take that bet that neither one ends up here. Name the price. There we go. All right, let's see if he bites. I'll take that money. I'll take that cash, bro. I'll take that cash. Help me get to uh, one Bitcoin. I, 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 that'll help me get faster to one Bitcoin. And we're still low, so it's time. Uh, Big O, what do you think about Crow? Do you think it may go up to uh, seven cents as my average is 35? Um, I see my problem with Crow. I had crow and I was, I'm a, I was, I was a big crow believer, but after all the FUD with all the stable coins, I, I got out of it. Okay. Um, and I, I sold off all my, all my crow coins. So I am not the one to ask. I am concerned about, you know, all the stable coins. I'm not exactly sure that it's going to make its way back. Um, maybe in another year or two, I can, once mass adoption takes over, then I can feel a little better about it. But I personally got out and sold all my crow. Dumped it all. And I had a lot. A lot. So, yeah. And I took a hit. I definitely took a little bit of a hit. For sure. So... Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, why is it every time a player is released or rumored to be traded is coming to the dog? Well, that's because that's what dolphin fans do. They, they do that stupid shit. You know what I meant? Uh, I bet Lee Sterling was one of those people who also thought Teddy Bridgewater would be the starter by week three. I don't know if he did that, but I'll, I'll take that bet any day of the week and twice on Sundays. Anybody that wants to bet me that Lamar or Brady are coming here, I'll bet you that neither one is coming here. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. So I will uh I will take that bet. I guarantee you it's not gonna happen. But you know, what the hell do I know? I only break more dolphin stories than everybody else in this town or in the nation, actually, to be quite honest. That's all I can tell you. U2 is going to be having a new album. I, I read that. And apparently the edge uh, says it's going to be kind of a, an edgier album, actually, which is really cool. I like that. Edge was asked because they've got a uh, an album coming out now, Songs of Surrender, which will be a collection of re-recorded old material in a softer setting. So it'll be a different way. But he told The Telegraph that in its follow-up, uh, I've been working on new stuff in parallel that's much more vital and requires a YouTube band sound to fulfill it. 
I'm not sure you two are going to turn into ACDC exactly. I'll still be trying to find ways to use the instrument that are new and unfamiliar, but I'm absolutely convinced that the guitar is going to be front and center with mainstream music culture in a year or two, and I want to be a part of that revival. It's funny how they force foresee shit like that, you know, because you think about it when they did pop, right? They were adjusting to new music that was being out there. And so they kind of wanted to do it in, in their own way. You know what I mean? Uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. So I'm looking forward to it and I can't wait to go to Vegas to see them in the sphere. That's going to be freaking awesome. Also, uh, in music history on this day, let's give you a couple things that mattered on March 7th here in music history. Uh, first of all, in 2006, actor Jarrett Leto, his band 30 Seconds to Mars, began their first headlining club tour in Tulsa, Oklahoma on this date in 06. In uh, 1987, the Beastie Boys became the first rap act to have a number one album with their debut effort, License to Ill. In 2000, men's fashion magazine GQ named Oasis singer Liam Gallagher the best-dressed man. In 2010, Brett Michaels found himself explaining his new song, Nothing to Lose, which featured then a 17-year-old Miley Cyrus singing about slowly getting undressed. He said that the lyric is not a reference to her and that the song isn't even a duet. In 75 on this date, David Bowie's ninth studio album, Young Americans, great song, saw its UK release. The album featured the hit song, Fame, that would become Bowie's first number one single in America. And that is what happened today in music history. Okay. Oh, have you ever been on the Dolphins cruise? Uh, no, I have never been on the Dolphins cruise. That should be a good uh, event for, for Dolphin fans. Uh, breaking news, Russia is now declaring war on the Big O Show, and Putin is threatening to launch every last one of his nukes. More for you at the 7 o'clock hour. There we go, Matthew. In the 7 o'clock hour, you, you're going to have uh, Big O telling uh, the world that Putin is a pussy. Now the question is, will Lee Sterling stay true to the bet if he's saying this to get the rise out of people? Oh, he's not going to take my bet. They never take my bet. Uh, Alf is in the people hanging the fifth-year option over the heads of the Dolphins on March 7th are being the most dishonest of all. Most, if not all, fifth-year options are picked up at the deadline, May 1st. Yep, he is right. I think they're going to pick up the fifth-year option because I think it's the cheapest way to protect yourself um, because if he does ball and he stays healthy and has a great year you're going to be forced to give him the fat ass contract this way you can delay that fat ass contract one extra year so if i'm the dolphins i am going to give him the tag so i will give him the fifth year option to me it's not a big deal 
It's all of you, not all of you, but some of you out there that are just falling for the FUD. And deep down inside, you're not really a Tua guy. So that's why you're so quick to get off the bandwagon and talking about it. Notice that a lot of the people that are doing it are usually the Tua haters, the Tua disbelievers. And remember, like I told you already, a lot of them were proven wrong that the kid could play. So now that they were proven wrong because they said he was too short, his arm wasn't strong enough, he can't run a high-powered offense, he can't throw the deep ball, he plays too much golf, you guys know all the things. And now they're wrong, so they've got to then lean on the injuries or try to create some FUD themselves about a trade that will never happen. And, you know, one thing that Lee gets wrong there, like a lot of people, it's not a Lee Sterling thing, a lot of people get this wrong. Chris Greer is his own man. So is Reggie McKenzie and Marvin Allen. Those guys want to, uh, but they have no control. Like he said that Chris Greer is a mouthpiece for the owner. He actually is not. The owner does whatever the hell he wants. He'll go in the middle of the night to go after Harbaugh, and he'll go chase Tom Brady. It wasn't Chris Greer that was chasing Tom Brady. It was Bruce Beal and the owner. It wasn't Chris Greer that wanted Deshaun Watson. It was Brian Flores that was bothering the owner about it. And then to the point that the owner was like, well, go ahead and find out whatever. Because the owner is also, you know, wishy-washy. None of it had to do with Chris Greer. Those guys drafted Tua and they're dead set for now on going with Tua. They have not backed away from the whole Tua thing. But the only people that are backing away constantly are the same people that have been critical and wrong from the get-go. So they're dying now for the injury thing to come through because this way they will be justified. And that's all this is, dude. That's all it is.